0: This episode of the Gondrepreneur Podcast is made possible by 420-friendly service providers in the Gondrepreneur Business Directory. If you need professional help with your business, from accounting to legal services to consulting, marketing, payment
1: processing, or insurance, visit gondrepreneur.com businesses to find service providers who specialize in helping cannabis entrepreneurs like you. Visit the Gondrepreneur
0: Business Directory today at gondrepreneur.com businesses.
1: Hey there, I'm your host T.G. Brandfalt, and thank you for listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of Gondrepreneurs activists and industry stakeholders uh, Today I'm joined by Brian Applegarth. He's the CEO, co-founder of Emerald Count Country Tours uh, founder of the Cannabis Trail founder of the California Cannabis Tourism Association It's the second time uh, that I've had him on this show so I guess he's a friend of the show now Uh, He's led the advancement of cannabis tourism in California, uh, working with brands representing the industry and culture to bring their niche offerings uh, to the mainstream via tourism. Uh, He's an advisor for hospitality uh, based businesses interested in incorporating cannabis into their model. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, TG, I'm great, man. How have you been? you know it's it's uh, it's getting colder it's getting colder we're getting a little closer to legalization in new york so uh you know things are things are both looking up and a uh, little a little chilly but uh you know i uh, i you were telling me you know we we're sort of chat, chatting to begin with you're you're headed to a conference huh yeah man uh headed to socal this
0: week southern california for a couple meetings um and then an event which is happening in long beach it's called state uh, the state of cannabis Um, And it's a really cool event. It's really unique, actually. It's, um, it's regulators, it's uh, assembly members, it's uh, government officials, as well as stakeholders, um, and leaders in the cannabis industry, all kind of in one room, sitting on panels and sharing information. Um, So it's a really important event. And uh, yeah, pretty excited about headed down there.
1: It's the first time you've, uh, you've attended something like this with both, you know, regulators and, uh, you know, stakeholders? You know, I was at it last year. And of course, with the association,
0: um, I lobby and I'm, I'm present in Sacramento a couple times a year uh, to be part of the tourism conversation there at the state level. Um, so,
1: yeah, it comes in and out as far as my work in that space. Cool, man. Uh, So, I mean, we're definitely going to talk about that. Your firsthand knowledge is sort of some of the stuff that, uh, you know, I'm sort of looking to clarify here. Uh, But before we get into all of that, man, uh, remind us, you know, as I said, you've been on the show before. So some people were probably familiar with your name. I might not, you know, fully remember uh, what you're all about, but uh, so remind us how you got into the cannabis space.
0: Yeah. um, It was approximately five years ago uh, at this point um, where I, you know, I was, I moved back to Northern California where I grew up and, uh, and I was working in kind of a real estate corporate job. And, and, uh, I I learned pretty quickly that cannabis had come a long way since I graduated high school in 98. Um, and I was gone for quite a bit of time. So when I got back to California, I saw this kind of burgeoning gray market industry and legalization seemed pretty obvious that it was coming. Um, and I've just always been a lover of travel and, and tourism and hospitality and culture. Um, so I, uh, and also a fan of cannabis because growing up in Northern California, that's just part of our culture here. Um, and I went to Oaksterdam university and started making trips up to Mendo and Humboldt and just really fell in love even deeper with the culture and the story of cannabis in California. And, uh, And then I started thinking about kind of what my next move was for my career and my trajectory and quality of life. And cannabis tourism really spoke to me and it's, it's, it's kind of been its own journey. Um, you know, I, I jumped in initially with Emerald country tours, as you mentioned, and that was the first of many projects now that I I've had a hand in. Um, and it's been a pretty wild ride and and a really exciting one at that. And, uh, And where we are today is incredibly exciting because cannabis tourism is kind of at an inflection point and becoming really, really relevant as California goes into its third year of adult
1: use legalization. Yeah, when I last met, I mean, there was a lot of stuff in the works. Uh, They just legalized, uh, you know, in in California. Uh, So how's how's your business, uh, the tourism industry, changed uh, since we last spoke two years ago in California? Yeah, good question. Um,
0: so I'd say the, the first two years of legalization, a lot of it has been, you know, being an evangelist, um, organizing the association, which is essentially a startup, getting memberships on board, building the the actual uh, board out, the board members, um, and getting the website and getting the, the association up and operational and, and bridge building with Cal travel and visit California and some of the traditional travel, tourism, hospitality, industry, stakeholders for California. Um, now, as we wrap up kind of the second year, it's, I think it's, it's going from an education kind of evangelist role to needing hard data and the traditional industry that's already established in California as one of the leading tourism regions of the world is, um, sees the impact and the and the opportunity of of cannabis tourism and what that means going forward and at this point at this juncture everybody collectively recognizes that this is extremely relevant and that there is a cannabis tourist that's demanding this as part of the California experience and it's really disrupting not in a negative way but it's disrupting and it's providing opportunity for kind of the entire intersection of hospitality travel tourism and cannabis and hemp and CBD. So it's a pretty big conversation. Um, And as we go into year three, I think we're going to see a lot more data come out, um, which is going to support the traditional industry to be able to formalize strategy and figure out how to talk about cannabis and couch it as as a destination product for California.
1: I mean, you're seeing that in uh, you know, a lot of different states, just here in New York, I was driving, uh, I was headed to Massachusetts. And as I went through Albany, I saw the billboard, uh, you know, for the dispensary that was, uh, you know, 45 minutes away, and the one that I was actually headed to. And, you know, and I'm like, this has got to be, uh, you know, great for sort of Lee, Massachusetts, right? You know, you have people who are driving through and it's like 45 minutes to, to you know, a dispensary um is is that something that uh you know how often are people really taking that into consideration with their travel plans
0: yeah well it's 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 often to be honest with you i mean cannabis has been in california it's been part of our culture i mean Living in San Francisco, you know, the Haight-Ashbury in general is 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 essentially tied to cannabis tourism with the whole his- history of the hippies here and things like that. Yeah. So it goes above and beyond retail and consumption, and it really gets into the culture and the history of the Northern California region. Um, and that's where I find kind of a lot of interest and my passion really lives is, is – is helping make sense of the ecosystem that's developing from consumption lounges to infused dinners, to retailers, to tour companies, but also making sure that the culture and the historical storytelling of the movement is part of that tourist experience. Because I think we all know that in today's world for marketing, you know, that storytelling component um, and being authentic in that voice is really important. And and Northern California has got a lot of special kind of assets in that way.
1: So, how have local and state policies changed as it relates to tourism uh, in the in over these you know last three years?
0: Well, as far as legislatively, we had one um, we had one Senate bill that came up. It was six twenty five, and it was essentially about the party bus and the ventilation and being able to smoke. Um, and it really spoke to tour companies and uh, what was legal and not legal. Um, unfortunately that one did not get through this year, uh, which was a loss for sure. That's going to be something that we're going to have to circle back with. That being said, we use these opportunities to educate about how, you know, cannabis has a lot of ways that it can be consumed now that go above and beyond inhalation. Of course you have vape pens and smoking joints and all that, but you also have drinkables, microdosing edibles. I mean, heck, even the leaf, the fan leaves of the plant are incredibly medicinal and that's something that you could put in a meal or make pesto from. Um, and then when you start talking about Hippie Hill and some of the iconic kind of locations of the cannabis movement, um, there's there's a lot of ways we can start talking about it. But you know, SB six twenty five unfortunately didn't get through. That being said, you know the the tourists and 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 visitors to our state are showing up and asking questions. And some of the dispensaries and consumption lounges in the Bay Area are reporting that up to seventy percent of their daily transactions are tourists that are coming in. Unreal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and when you consider the millions of tourists that visit L.A., San Francisco, Palm Springs, you know Santa Cruz, um, and you know it just gets it gets to be a bigger and bigger conversation that needs more and more attention. And then, like, of course, the okay, so the CDFA. in in California, is currently developing the cannabis Appalachians of the state. And they plan on activating that and announcing that in 2021. So once that rolls out, there's going to be this infrastructure in place that's really going to support a new narrative that's going to have protections for local regions of origin. um, So you can have this brand authenticity and start crafting regional narratives about microclimates and terroir, and what cultivars or varietals of cannabis grow in what regions. Um, and that's going to be another inflection point once that happens in 2021. But for now, going into our third year, I think it's going to be a year of data. It's going to be a year of the traditional industry tipping in, and it's going to you're going to see destinations start to formalize what is their unique message. With cannabis, hemp, and CBD, to draw visitors in and make it part of that experience at that desk.
1: Well, you said that the tourists are coming in and they're asking questions. Uh, what what kind of questions? Like, what are people looking for in terms of you know cannabis tourism?
0: You know, the tourist profiles we're seeing, um, not surprisingly, are is a pretty wide net. It's everything from investors that are coming to study the industry so they can prepare for their uh, their home markets as they embrace cannabis and have a competitive advantage. You have, of course, you know, the high school reunion bachelorette parties that want to come in and have a cannabis experience. um, In addition to the wine tasting. Yeah, man, of course, of course. Yeah. There's consumption lounge crawls for people that want to go on a three or four consumption lounge hopper in San Francisco or Oakland. Um, You know, there's tours of manufacturing plants, extraction, Um, so what tourists are really asking for, it's everything from where do I get it to where can I use it? And what I advocate for to hotels and concierge and the hospitality industry in general is there's a few basic questions we need to be able to answer. And that is what's legal, where can you legally buy it and where can you legally consume it? And that's a great starting place for any hotel, any hospitality professional to be able to answer
1: how open are they to doing that you know like like how open are the 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 hotels and and are any of them like open to like yeah you know let them vape inside the rooms you know but obviously no smoking because of i mean just smoking laws in general yeah i think the conversations move past like how do they
0: feel about it or how open they are? I think that that is informed by leadership and certain people, depending on whether it's a hotel that's more traditional or one that's more cutting edge and, and uh, innovative, um, you know, the leadership of the hotel largely informs what they're embracing and what they're not. But what's happening at the end of the second year of adult use legalization here in California is you have tourists showing up demanding it. And there's, there's issues that are arising that hotels need to deal with. Like, for example, you know, the number of guests that are overdosing on edibles and spending two days in the hotel room under the sheets has gone up. There's been ambulances called for people who think they're dying because they overdosed on an edible. Um, There's smoking in the rooms and vaping in the rooms on non-smoking properties. Um, There's also the staff, right? Like there's a lot of just the operations of a hotel It's like, what do you do um, when you do have an over-altered guest? What is your plan? Like, how do you field that? How do you troubleshoot that? Um, Also, in the second year of legalization, there's still a very rampant black market. And uh, what a lot of the traditional industry doesn't realize necessarily is that, you know, when you pull up a cannabis delivery in California on the internet and Google it, um, it's quite likely that you're going to be ordering from a black market operator because they're hard to tell the difference from. And that is illicit illegal activity. Um, It's a cash transaction. And some of those products don't go through the testing tier. That is one of the biggest benefits of the regulated market is knowing that you have clean medicine and clean products. So, you know, at the end of the day, it, it comes down to the hotel leadership. Is it important for you to mitigate risk is it important for you to make sure that your customers are partaking in, in, in legal um, above board activity and transactions um, and providing kind of the framework for supporting the regulated industry and making sure the safety of your guests in your, whether it's your hotel or amusement park or, you know, on your tour company, whatever it is like, we really want to support safe and sustainable practices for cannabis tourism so the industry can really thrive. And right now, it's all comes down to communication and education at the B2B level and the B2C level, both. And that's that's one of the pillars of the California Cannabis Tourism Association is really being a trusted source for the best operators um, in California uh, that are creating this really new and exciting cannabis tourism space.
1: So you had mentioned uh, – the consumption spaces in a a couple of cities. And I don't think that that's something like a lot of people outside of California really know. Uh, It it sort of comes as a surprise to me. Uh, How many, uh, you know, consumption lounges are there? Uh, Where are they? Yeah. In San Francisco, we have about 15. Um, You've
0: got a couple up in Mendocino. You've got, I think 10 that have been approved for um, Humboldt. You got West Hollywood that just opened the first cannabis cafe, which is actually like a dining experience as well as cannabis. It's like a hostess and a menu. Yeah,
1: I want to ask you about that. It, it, what does that opening of that cafe tell us about the future of recreational cannabis uh, in California? I think it's the. I think it's one of many iterations we're going to see
0: as far as how cannabis evolves um, in an experiential way for customers to consume. So I predict that you know the retailer was the first step, and then you had the consumption lounge that was in a lot of respects it was just bolted onto the dispensary. You have a couple dispensaries that actually made it more of an experience where you get seated and they have dab bars and things like that um, and then you have this evolution of the cannabis cafe. Um, I've also been to events and, and gatherings in, in Northern California where they have multi-course meals with, with cannabis sommeliers talking about- Aren't
1: those, aren't those private normally? Those are now? private,
0: yeah. But that's like a ticket where you buy it, but it's a private gathering ages 21 and up at a private space. Um, so it's not a public facing restaurant per se, but it's, it's yet another experience, you know, just like we have puff and paint where you, instead of sipping wine and painting a a picture, you, you smoke a joint, paint a picture, drink or drink a cannabis drinkable and paint a picture. So, um, I think we're gonna, I, I mean, especially with how creative and flexible and incredible cannabis is with its effects, I think we're going to really see a lot of art and music and um, innovation.
1: Somebody needs to go to the movie theater right now.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, that's part of it, too. I think that, you know, that's one of the exciting things about cannabis is unlike wine and beer, where a lot of the conversation is around mouthfeel and hops and tannins and legs on the glass of wine. You know, cannabis is really effect driven, And I have this theory that, you know, cannabis, the way it's going to be paired in the future in the tourist experience is going to be by effect. And what activity or experience are you going to be doing that day and what cultivar or varietal of cannabis at what dose is going to optimally enhance that experience or make it even more extraordinary by having cannabis be a tool to heighten your senses to complement that experience.
1: So earlier, I want to sort of switch gears earlier, you would, you know, talk about sort of the, the, uh, downsides to, you know, what, what businesses, uh, you know, worry about when it comes to, to allowing consumption, you know, we're talking about sort of hotels and that sort of thing. Um, when, when, when they come to you, you know, uh, to, to sort of, you know, help guide, you know, maybe their plans or whatever, what, what questions are they asking? man
0: i mean it's 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 kind of it's it's basic right it's it's the beginning so it's a lot of it is cannabis 101 like well, obviously they want to know what's legal right um, which i always disclose i'm not a lawyer but as i understand it this is what this is where we're in in legal law within california um, and then we really get into just cannabis 101 that's where it starts for me with leadership i talk about you know what is cannabis Now what's cannabis 2.0? It's got tinctures, drinkables, edibles, topicals, transdermal patches. You have, you know, you have CBD drinkables, which is equivalent to a non-alcoholic beer. And then you have the super strong ones. Then you have everything in between, right? So it's kind of a choose your own adventure now. And when you, when you, when you double down on that with all the different methods of ingestion that are at your fingertips, you know, it's really reframing the conversation and overcoming that stigma through education and factual education, fact-based education. Um, I even go into the endocannabinoid system and I talk about the discovery of that and uh, what an endocannabinoid is versus a, a phytocannabinoid and and how cannabis promotes health and wellness. Um, and then we dive into you know what what is your specific hotel property like? Like what is your threshold? Um, We can do everything from educating your staff to integrating activities at concierge uh, to CBD products in lobby shop or in room uh, to cannabis delivery as a service amenity to your to to your for your guests. Um, So there's a lot of options on how to make this a really compelling product in tourism um, and also mitigate risk and drive incremental revenue. So it's, it's a, it's a big opportunity. It's not going away. And I often talk about cannabis, you know, with my, with the clients I work with and, you know, hemp as far as sustainability, CBD, as far as health and wellness. And then of course the higher THC products are really three different buckets that you really have to explore. And then you create a, a, uh, a plan for what, they're interested in implementing, and oftentimes it's not all the above. I have some people that just want education and to have some activities as a concierge, and that's it. What kind? What kind of activities? Cannabis tours, um, you know, cannabis experiences. I, there's a hotel here in San Francisco um, named Hotel Zeppelin. That's a really cool, cutting edge hotel near Union Square. That. You know, they have little poker chips at their concierge that gives you 10% off a consumption lounge. So now when guests ask about cannabis, they have some kind of compelling response that actually directs their guests to a really special experience in San Francisco that is legal, compliant, and, uh, and, and it's in alignment with the hotel and the hotel guest profile. So, you know, it could be as basic as that, or it could be something more robust where, you know, when you check into the hotel, it's, it's, you have a little cannabis menu that actually lives in the room that features products, you know, that people can order. That's phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it's exciting. So, I mean... the, the opening of that cannabis cafe I mean that that caught national attention right um, it, you know there were new, we wrote about it there were news stories about it uh, it was a really big deal um, what was the cannabis tourism uh, response to sort of the press that that got it's it's kind of <clears throat>
0: You know, it's interesting you bring that up. So it's, you know, this cannabis cafe, and I got to tell you, West Hollywood's got, I, I believe they have 15 more lounges coming on board in the next like two years, right? So awesome. yeah, it's going to be, and they all are a little bit different. You have one that's more of an edible cafe. It's no smoking, right? So you're going to see them differentiate as far as what's allowed when it comes to consumption and how they build their brand and experience around that. Um as far as how you're, you're absolutely right. It caught national attention, maybe even international attention, because it's the first cannabis cafe-style um, establishment to open in the United States, and it's been sold out like every single day since since it opened. And we can call that an initial trend, or hey, it's shiny and new. I think time will tell. Um, but obviously, this is a perfect example of like a really powerful asset that's drawing attention where the destination of West Hollywood is now, I mean, it's exciting. They have a new, something new to talk about. Now understanding that and how to message around that is a little more complicated. And partially that's because of the marketing laws, like you really can't promote cannabis consumption. So there's these laws that are, that are kind of barriers and blocking business as usual. Um, and people are nervous to take certain steps. So it all comes down to like communication, figuring out a plan where everybody's on board and then maximizing the opportunity, um, whether you're a Lowell's Cafe in West Hollywood or whether you're, you're, you're LA area or Viso West Hollywood. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting to see it. It got a lot of attention and we're going to see a lot more of that in 2020.
1: We, you, I mean, you're situated next to... I mean, you know, basically the whole West coast is, uh, is, is legalized. Uh, does that have sort of an overarching effect on tourism, uh, in California?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that if nothing else from an optics perspective, it really shows that there is kind of this alignment for the, the, the acceptance of it on the West coast. Um, and you know, there's strength in numbers. So they're all, you know, that's just how the world works. So, you know, as far as boosting the tourism draw as a West Coast experience, I don't see that happening yet. I mean, that being said, you know, you mentioned earlier on the Cannabis Trail, which is uh, my uh, nonprofit. It's a, it's a legacy cannabis historical trail that I'm going to be slowly building over the next 20 years. But, you know, I'm I've, I've definitely exploring of, of bringing that up into Oregon and maybe even continuing it north to Seattle where it becomes more of a trek along the West coast that takes you through all the different cannabis country legacy storytelling of the West coast. Cause there's a lot, there's a lot to it. And each one of them is unique. Are
1: you doing those
0: tours now, like in California? Yeah. So the, I mean, Emerald country tours was interesting cause I, that's where I put a lot of my effort up front, but then life had other plans. So that, that still is in operation. I do a couple tours a year. Um actually really excited about next year. Next year I'm going to be doing um, basically one tour that's going to happen in September and it's going to be 11 days and it's going to be an immersive, extremely immersive, one of a kind, you know, cannabis in-depth experience from San Francisco to Oakland, all the way up to Humboldt. Put, put me on that list. Yeah, it's, I'm excited, man. I just finished kind of baking out the itinerary and I'm, I'm getting some feedback from some people and then I'm going to release it into the wild, but it's going to be, it's going to be limited to 24 people and it's going to be wow. um, extremely uh, kind of specialized um, and, and immersive, but it's going to be, it's something I'm excited about doing. And of course I'm going to, I'm going to continue the relationships with my, uh, my senior retirement communities that I've been, that I've been servicing and taking on tours. Um and that's really where where emerald country tours kind of pivoted into was uh it became really obvious to me that the that the most important and kind of the most rewarding tours that i operated uh in the first year year and a half of business there was with the uh, active adult retirement communities and and uh so i'm going to be
1: doing those as well that's those i mean are you really like are you getting a lot of that population? I mean, I know, and you know, that we read sort of some studies that that suggest that you know the the baby boomer generation is is coming around a little bit when it comes to use when it, when states legalize. Um, is is that something that 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 you experience out there?
0: Yeah, I mean, the baby boomers are like they're coming on real strong. That's like one of the highest demographics of growth and. The trajectory is just speeding up because people are finding quality of life is improving and they're really curious about cannabis. Um, And as stigma dies off, more and more of them are tipping in and they also have resources, a lot of them. So when you look at the spends at dispensaries and the people that have the money to spend on it, you know, the baby boomers are right in there. so yeah, it's an ex- I, I love that whole demographic. It's one of my favorites because P- you can really change minds once you educate them about the science behind the endocannabinoid system and you explain this whole new world. And uh, I enjoy watching somebody who's you know in their 60s or older um, have their eyes opened about how uh, misled they were uh, with cannabis and hemp over the last 80 90 years
1: how often does that happen for you like what like like what percentage of, of people are sort of uh, i don't want to call them novices but maybe uh, don't don't know as much but are you know like getting their feet wet like through these tours and and these experiences
0: man, that's like my
1: world. Like
0: I found that my,
1: my role
0: in this whole story of cannabis and and the movement that's happening and, and the legalization and navigating that is I'm really an educator and a bridge builder. So I spend a lot of my time, um, educating people that are all that are new, whether it's, you know, whether it's government, whether it's, you know, uh, the fire department, whether it's, you know, hotels that have been in operation for over hundred years, I, I constantly find myself as an educator that's helping normalize and just make sense of this opportunity without being pushy about it and fully recognizing that's not everybody smokes and wants vaping on their property. And that's okay. I think the more people that are able to understand and use cannabis, the better the world will be. So that's like my ethos. And if that's a drinkable or a microdosing edible, or if that's a CBD topical for somebody's pain, all of those are wins in my book and my, I, I just kind of stay in that lane. So to answer your question, pretty much every day, I am, my work revolves around people that are newer to cannabis.
1: And and that's what I appreciate about you. Um, so, so you know, you're going into this, this uh, meeting with regulators, you've been talking to regulators, you know, lawmakers uh, for a few years now, what's, what's, has, what's been the evolution there? What's been your experience working with, with those, with, with, you know, people who uh, make the policies? It's a big negotiation
0: and, you know, the people that are doing the real heavy lifting are the ones that are embedded in the supply chain. So cultivation all the way to retail. Um, when you look at distribution, manufacturing, the testing tier and all the different benchmarks of getting a product to market, you know, it's, it's gonna, it, it's gonna be an ongoing negotiation for the foreseeable future because, well, there's a couple reasons. One is the stigma is not helping. And a lot of people are still brainwashed about how cannabis was a drug. And it's like the devil's lettuce and all this nonsense, And then you have, you know, obviously money and influence becoming primary values with a lot of people. And I'm not talking about government here necessarily. I'm talking about the capitalistic, consumer-driven, regulated um, environment of of California and the United States in general, where, you know, when you get investors and it, it tips in as a white industry or an above board legal industry, it's it, the game board shifts, right? It's like you have to, you had the illicit, the underground market, then you had the gray market where, where it was medical. And now you have the above board market and it's like three different game boards. And it, you got to really stay persistent in, in advocating for legislation that is favorable and that encourages sustainable, smart, and most importantly, safe for the public um you know operations or landscape for the industry and there's a lot of battles being fought and a lot of it comes down to tax dollars it comes down to permits you know in northern california you have this whole culture that's been living off the grid that hasn't been part of the kind of the matrix that most of the world lives in with you know licensing and computers and technology and cell phone signals and all the different things so you have these people that have all the brain trust up in the Northern California, the Emerald Triangle. Um, And there's such a gap in like what the skills are. And there's not one is better than the other. Like it's just, it's just two different worlds. So watching that unfold is like a case study in itself. And that's how I really see cannabis is like this cannabis being legalized in California. It is, it is a case study on capitalism. It's a case study on permitting and licensing. It's a case study on local municipality versus state versus federal. It's a, it's a clash of cultures and values. Um, a lot of people think at this point, it's kind of a good versus evil. And there's a negotiation happening on how that industry is going to shake out and who's going to hold the influence and the power. Um, so it's a lot of big ideas and big conversations that are going on. And I think time will tell. Um, and you know, it's, and I'm excited to be part of it and to be able to advocate in my own way for, you know, what I think it it could and should be for its highest
1: purpose. Well, and you mentioned the, the lo- localities um, has, you know, I know that quite a few, a large number of California municipalities have banned cannabis operations, uh, you know, with, within their, their city limits, um, How much of an impact has that, if at all, on tourism or, or, you know, is is the tourism sort of part of cannabis doing just fine in California without sort of these swaths?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, that's, it's, (laughs) that's a good question. I think that, I think it depends on the municipality and the location that we're talking about, the destination. There are certain destinations in California that are absolutely relevant when it comes to tourists, right? And tourism. um. I mean, at this point, anybody who's not embracing tourism, I feel like, you know, they're missing out on an opportunity to drive um, commerce and dollars into their market, which means tax money for the local government to be able to use to improve the community. So I think time it will roll out. I think that there's going to be people that are leading, which there is. It's Mendocino, Palm Springs, West Hollywood, San Francisco, Oakland. Um, Santa Cruz are kind of the ones that are really leading the space. So Sonoma County is getting there, um, and I think once these kind of leader markets uh, have a bit more information and have gone out and and really established themselves and proven the model, you'll see the next wave of destinations tip in. Um, and I got—I mean, the other point to this TG is that there's a very vibrant black market still. Yeah. So even though these municipalities think that they're, you know, saying we're not going to regulate cannabis, there's probably uh, the same, exact same activity that was happening before regulation is still happening on the black market in their municipality. And that's just a fact. So at the end of the day, it comes down to do you want to be part of the future? If so, when? And I'm not saying everybody should do it now. Every, every municipality has its own culture, and I really respect local communities to make their own decisions and, and kind of create coalitions to move forward together. Um, and what does that look like? So I, but I think that the conversation and the education are vital right now to continue the conversation moving forward and to be a, to be a resource for people.
1: So I'd, I'd, I'd love to talk about this with you for another, you know, keep this conversation moving forward for another, you know, hour or so. Uh, it's, it's always great to have you on. Uh, but we're just about out of time. Uh, where can uh, people find out uh, more about you and your various endeavors?
0: Yeah, great. Thanks for asking. Um, my website is Brian with an I, Brian Applegarth, A-P-P-L-E g a r t h so that's brian and my email is ba at brian you can find me on linkedin um and i'd love to connect and and uh and hear from anybody that has questions it'd be great
1: well again man i really appreciate having you uh you know hopefully we don't wait another two years uh and you know hopefully the next time i see you I'll, i'll uh I'll, I'll require your, uh, your services as a, as a tour guide. Uh, you know, I think that, I think that'd be great. Uh, I, again, you know, thanks for coming on and, and, uh, just, you know, give, letting me explore that wealth of knowledge that you are, man. Appreciate it. Thanks TG. I always enjoy it, dude. You're welcome. Anytime in California, come on out here. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of gontrepreneur.com and in the Apple iTunes store on the gontrepreneur.com website. You'll find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House. I've been your host, TG Brand Faults.